Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 360 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week, it seems like it's been a while. Your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? I'm I'm well, Chad, and it has been a minute. I'm disturbed disturbed to learn that you've been recording podcasts in my absence. <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. Because I mean, the numbers shouldn't go up unless I'm here. That's true. That's a good point. You 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 caught me. Um, yeah, it's been a while, and I, I don't know why that is. Other than I've taken a couple of hiatuses lately, and the podcast has been a little bit jumbled. But we're back uh, week to week now, and I, and I hope that uh, that you will agree to. Remain in the rotation going forward. Because I know you want to talk about the Reds, right? Yes. Yes. Everyone does. Probably, I guess. <laughs> well, let's talk about the same thing we've been talking about all off season, and let's let's begin there, and that's obviously shortstop. You know, uh, since the last podcast, every single shortstop that the Reds uh, went after uh, or, or were rumored to be going after went elsewhere. And... Uh, the, the final straw that broke the camel's back was D.D. Gregorius, who is our la- last hope, signing with the uh, re-signing with the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Jason, what <laughs> what do we think about shortstop? Oh God, um, <laughs> that's the only thing. That's the only way to uh, only response. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a couple years since I interviewed Larkin, but he was in pretty good shape. <laughs> Oh, I'm in for that. I'm all in for that. Like, let's let's give him a shot. Let's <laughs> let's late career. Let's give him the satchel page. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, they should do like they did with uh, like the White. Was it the White Sox did with? Uh, was it Minnie Minoso? Yeah, Minnie Minoso. And like every ten years, they'd sign him for a day. <clears throat> yeah, so, but the Reds need a full time shortstop. So Larkin, this may be his chance. He's tanned, rested, and ready, as they say. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's is Trevor Story available? Potentially. I mean, is is he? I've I've looked. I haven't seen any rumors, but it seems as though um, any halfway decent Rockies player can be had for a wink and a pack of gum. Yes. Wow. And the reason why, of course, uh, Jason says that is Nolan Arenado, who's a really good third baseman was basically handed to the St. Louis Cardinals on a platter, given away for, you know, not free, but close. Um, and the Cardinals are also getting $50 million in cash from the Rockies and uh, in that deal. And so all of a sudden, uh, the reason we bring these up in conjunction with each other is that the Reds fans were already on edge because they hadn't signed Didi Gregorius, they hadn't signed, you know, Andrew Simmons, they hadn't uh, signed uh, Marcus Simeon, they hadn't traded for anybody. Uh, to play shortstop, the best shortstop on the roster is probably Kyle Farmer. And then, all of a sudden, for the first time all season, somebody in the division decides they're going to try to get better. And, of course, it has to be the stupid St. Louis Cardinals. So, um, yeah, I've never I've never been in on on story much, and, and I'll explain why in a moment. But at this point, he's just about the only hope, uh, it seems like, uh, for a uh, a legitimate big league shortstop next year. Am I, am I overstating that? I think you're overstating it, and we can talk about why in a second. But first, I want to hear why you aren't in on Trevor Story. I'll tell you why, and I'm pulling it up here. What did he do? Did he go to the wrong college? <laughs> we probably will talk about someone where someone went to college at some point in this episode. That's a preview there. Here's why. I don't know where he went to college or even if he went to college, but uh, I'm going to presume he went to Duke or somewhere. Uh, no, here's why. Uh Away from Coors Field in his career, 250 average, 315 on base, 445 slugging. Oh, you can't pay attention to that stuff, Chad. There was a study done a couple of years ago. 
I, if I searched around, I could find it. But it, also, if you listeners search around, you can find it. They looked at how basically every Rockies player has their home road splits become insane because the ball moves differently in Colorado than it away from Colorado. So it's hard to adjust. But once they leave Colorado, their splits return to normal. And they basically end up kind of normalizing around, you know, usually a, a tick below, you know, what they did in Coors Field because the Coors effect is real. But but still is, is very good. You know, if they're a good hitter for the Rockies, they're going to keep being a good hitter more than likely. Okay. I haven't seen uh, said uh, study, and so I will I will look for that. Yeah, look for it. you can and there are guys you can you can pick you know kind of pick and choose your guys and and it's pretty much all of them you know end up with uh, numbers that you would expect you know uh, maybe you lose five or ten points of batting average or you know whatever but you end up largely in the same spot. <clears throat> well, listen, I'm perfectly willing just on its face to to believe something like that you know, but uh, although you know Dante Bichette was garbage when he came to the National League Central. But yeah, uh, Dante Bichette, when you look at his park adjusted numbers, was garbage in Colorado. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. That was the humidor. Yeah, we tried to uh, we tried to argue that point back when uh, when he was uh, in the mix. But anyway, I'm just looking. There was number an OPS plus of 75 on the road is just not good. Now I'm perfectly willing to believe that it's going to be somewhere between his home and road numbers. If you go directly between his home and road numbers in terms of OPS plus, it's 100 exactly. And frankly, an average shortstop. Uh, is a huge upgrade. <laughs> average hitting short of a huge upgrade for Cincinnati, right? If he's an average hitter on the road and an above average hitter at home and he plays shortstop when, with reasonable defense, as I think is what Story's reputation is, um, then that's, you know, you got yourself a good player right there. Okay, so, uh, but the reason I say I'm not as high on it is because of that concern and because um, I think that based on what his overall numbers are, I, I fear the Reds will overpay. Although, you know, who knows what the Rockies are doing I mean, right now? Dealing with the Rockies, I feel like overpaying is just agreeing to pay his salary. Uh, yes, and that's we'll the that's the second point. Salary, and we will send you some baseballs. <laughs> yes, that you can put in your humidor. Um, well, the, that's the other part of it. Uh, unless Bob Castellini has one of his lucid moments, which are rarer and rarer these days, it seems like. Um, in, in terms of making smart baseball decisions, stories slated to make around eighteen and a half million this year. Does anyone in their right mind believe that Bob Castellini is going to pay for a shortstop that makes eighteen and a half million? I don't. No, probably not. I mean, if he was, they'd have Didi Gregorius. That's what I'm thinking. If they were willing to drop some <clears throat> cash, then they had a chance to drop some cash. Less less cash than that. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm being cynical because of what we've seen uh, every year of my lifetime, except for last offseason with the well, Reds. Well, you know, that is why I think the most likely option at this point is somebody like, uh, and forgive me if I say the name wrong, Ahmed Rosario. Yeah. With Cleveland, was just traded in the Lindor trade to Cleveland, right, from New York. Yeah. Do you know if I said his name right? I think it's, I think you said it right. Okay. As far as I know. That's the way I said it, uh, I think, last week uh, on the show. Yeah, right. You can get him for cheaper. He doesn't cost much, and he's better better than Freddie Galvis, I guess, right? And he still comes with, like, a lot of upside, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know about anybody else. I'm not counting 2020 numbers for anyone. I don't care what you hit in 2020. I don't I care if it was 70 run created plus. I don't care if it was 190 run created plus. I don't care. 2020 was weird and, and small sample size and extra weird besides, and it just doesn't count as far as I'm concerned. So what you're and telling me is that Freddie Gallows. What's that? Before 2020, Rosario you know, had a good year, so that's what I'm looking at. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, he was a, a fairly highly touted prospect at, at one time as well, and he's still young. Yeah. Um. But he's not the move-the-needle type shortstop that I think we all were, were kind of hoping the Reds would get. Although it became clear early in the offseason the Reds were not going to get anybody that really, truly moved the needle. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I mean, I, I would have been thrilled to have Didi here, but he's not a move-the-needle guy anymore either. Well, it depends on how you define move-the-needle, I think. I think he's enough of an upgrade over uh, Freddie Galvis offensively that I think he does kind of move the needle some, just because offense was such a struggle with this team. But yeah, is he a superstar? No. I mean, is he going to be an all-star next year? No. 
probably not. But I like D I like Didi better than I like uh, any of the, uh, you know. Uh, I like him better than Rosario for 2020. You That's know? reasonable. Yeah, I, I would take Didi, but you know, it, it's like 60 40. You know, I, I would say there's a 40 percent chance Rosario has a better season, but yeah, you know, again, oh. it's close, and and I agree with you for the most part. So, so oh, actually, the Reds did acquire shortstop since the last time we were on the show. Um, after, as soon as D.D. Gregoria signed with the Phillies, the Reds, Nick Crawl jumped into action and traded for because the Phillies had an, a surplus in shortstops then. The Reds acquired minor league shortstop Kyle Holder, a Rule 5 pick this past December. Former first-round draft pick uh, in 2015 at the University of San Diego. Um, has, you know, um, hmm. he, he started to hit a little bit in 2019 as a 25-year-old at AA. Uh, so... 27 in May, never played above double A. So, organizational depth. They didn't really get a shortstop. No, yeah. It's, you know, he's, he's, he's a just in case kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you about another one. And I probably should have uh, warned you that I was going to ask you about this one. Um, because there's been some talk about some other guys that the Reds might be interested in. One is, uh, is Willie Adames from yeah. Tampa. Yeah. Do you have strong uh, thoughts about, about him and about whether, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's a, he's a, he'll be 25 this season. He has had uh, two relatively good seasons um, in the big leagues. Um, actually, all three of them have been, for his age, yeah, good as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, my my stance on him is, I would like to have him. I think he pretty much profiles to me as as like the same as Rosario, but Rosario, you probably have to give up less to get. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it's two sides of the same coin. You know, one of them had a really good year last year, or a really good two months last year, and one of them didn't. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much my stance. I'd be happy to have him, but the Rays are going to get people from you. They're not going to give them up for nothing. Whereas Cleveland might be a little bit right looser with things. Yeah, that that worries me. Although I, you know, I, I mostly trust the Reds baseball ops guys. I, we, we we mock the Reds, but it's Castellini I'm talking about. The baseball ops guys are mostly, I think, you know. On the nose, they just have some constraints. Um, so I don't really worry about them getting fleeced. Uh, although I'd always worry about that when you're when you're dealing with Tampa Bay. But I, don't know, I like I like him a lot. Um, uh, well, a lot. I think he's I think he's good. Um, there's some question whether he's even available. But you know, Tampa's uh, big time prospect uh, Wander yeah. Franco is he's probably ready. I mean, listen, both Adamas and Rosario are. Clearly, major league starting shortstops. <laughs> that, well, that's that's and actually that's really all we're after. <laughs> well, that's not all I was after this offseason, but at this point, that's all I'm after. I was I wanted a, an above average. I wanted a legit shortstop. Um, there was also some rumors about this guy D. Strange Gordon. That's, I mean, if that happens, he's not a starting shortstop. I'd take Garcia over him. Yeah, right. <laughs> He'd be 33 years old. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, gosh. So, anyway, we're dreaming of Jose Iglesias and Freddie Galvis here on the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast. The Reds did sign a free agent th- this week, though. Signed two, yeah, actually. Yeah. Sean Doolittle, welcome aboard. Oh, welcome aboard, Sean Doolittle. Legendary. Legendary player from the... University of Virginia. Did you know he was a, a Wahoo from University of Virginia, Jason? I did not, but you know nobody's perfect. <laughs> did you know that when he was at Univ- the University of Virginia, he was an All-American, first-team All-American, and he was a two-way player. He was actually a first-team All-American as a first baseman, if I co- recall correctly. Wow. And uh, has become a very, very good, had a very good career as a left-handed reliever in the big leagues. He obviously uh, has been has been really good, but he's also been hurt here recently. And so, um, you know, he came relatively cheap, one point five million, uh, because he's trying to prove that he still has uh, something left in the tank. But now, listen, when he's been good, he's been very, very good. And yeah. some, some people are asking, is he going to be the closer? Not? No, I don't think that's. I yeah. don't. I don't think that's in the cards. But I, he he makes the bullpen better, and that's saying something. He's really only had one bad season, and it was last year, and it was seven innings, and he got hurt. Like, you know, otherwise he's been a been a very good pitcher um, yeah. throughout pretty much his entire career. So, and you know, 
Yeah, I'm tickled by it. I think it's a good acquisition. It's incredibly low risk. He is, by all reports, a a good clubhouse guy, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I already said he was from Virginia. Did you have to repeat that he's a good clubhouse guy? Well, I was more saying that he was a good clubhouse guy to, you know, kind of make clear that not everyone from Virginia is like you, Chad. Ah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, This is going to be the 100th time I've said, this is Jason's last episode of Red Lake Nation Radio. (laughs) No, I, I was happy just because I, I watched Doolittle in college, you know, and he was just, he's maybe the best college player that I've seen, uh, seen play live anyway. And uh, although uh, Ryan Zimmerman, his uh, teammate with the Nationals, would be uh, close there as well, another Wahoo. But he, the Reds have spent the whole offseason making their bullpen worse. And uh, it was good to see him make a move, even though it's a cheat, you know. And, you know, I, I will say this. Like, I, I might be the only. Other than the fact that I feel like they could have got something for Bradley in a trade, I don't care about trading relief pitchers. I'm on the record. Relief pitchers are capricious. They're unpredictable. They're ephemeral. Whatever adjective you would like to affix to them that means you can't rely on them. Relief pitchers are weird. They're good until they're not. And if I had budget constraints, and we both know that everybody who knows me knows that I'm over caring about the budget. But if I had budget constraints, I'd go cheap on the bullpen because it's a coin flip for everybody as far as I'm concerned anyway. Yeah. Now, listen, I think I agree with that, uh, that if if I were going to go cheap, that's the place to go because that's the place that you can build uh, a potentially a competent bullpen uh, on the cheap, although the Reds have built plenty of very, very bad bullpens on the cheap over the years as well. Um, but you had a couple guys in Iglesias and, and Rosella Iglesias and Archie Bradley who had had some sustained success. You're right. That doesn't mean you're going to the next day because that's what the way relievers are. They're fungible in that way. But uh, I just thought it was a cynical, uh, just a cynical play to save money to get rid of those guys and make your team. Yeah, I mean it was. That's why I like. I'm not letting them off the hook hook entirely, especially if they don't end up spending that money somewhere. Yeah, but it's it's not like they, you know, dumped uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez on the Cardinals for nothing. You know, just gave him away. Yeah, yeah, and there were noises about that early in the off season, and I, I would have been yeah. extremely irritated because Suarez is a bargain right now. Speaking of good clubhouse guys, yeah, he's he he pays for himself just in the, <laughs> just in the uh, funny uh, comments he makes to Jim Day. Yes, and in bubblegum bubbles, and in bubblegum bubbles, absolutely. All right, so the Reds did sign one other player, and I only mention it because it's uh, there's a pretty good story behind it. Uh, free agent Nicky Delmonico signed him to a, a minor league contract with an invitation to big league spring training. Delmonico, you know, uh, played a little bit in the big leagues with the, with the White Sox. He's, you know, whatever. He is what he is. But the story behind him uh, is that a Red Scout went to his high school to scout him. It's Farragut High School in uh, in Knoxville, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And while he was there scouting him, he noticed this other kid playing for Farragut High School. I think it was a freshman at the time. Or maybe a sophomore, but either way, it was uh, Nick Senzel. Oh, 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 so they were high school teammates, and uh, this so that was a kind of a neat story from the Reds' perspective. So, Nicky Delmonico, also that's a pretty good name. It's a it's a very good baseball name. It's a Nick. very good name. Nicky Delmonico should be in a, some kind of Scorsese movie. I think he should. Yeah, he should. Yeah. It's a better Scorsese name than a baseball name. Either. That's true, actually. That's very very much true. So, welcome yeah, to the organization. Good. Yeah, we'll we'll see what we see. Yeah, yeah. Um, now some some news. You know, we've talked about some guys that aren't going to get a whole lot of play. Maybe in, in Cincinnati, Sean Doolittle should play a lot, but uh, and all these other guys that were sort of hoping to join the organization. But the Reds did acquire uh, a, a member of the organization that's going to be very very prominent this year uh, today. And and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. And if I'm not, well, whatever. You, you all have heard me talk with this ridiculous accent. I pronounce everything wrong. I'm like Joe Nuxhall in that way. But the Reds have hired, uh, along with Fox Sports Ohio, or whatever they're going to be called this year, have hired John Sadak as the newest member of the television broadcast team. He will be the play-by-play announcer on television. You think I pronounced that correctly? S-A-D-A-K. I mean, we'll find out soon enough. Sadak? Yeah, Sadak or Sadak or Sedak or, you know, who knows. Sadak. I don't know. But anyway, he, uh, you know, he's been a, an announcer... Um, all over, you know, he's been a national TV play-by-play announcer for CBS Sports. He's done radio uh, play-by-play. Um, he's done uh, radio play-by-play for the Mets. He uh, 
has worked in just about NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, college basketball, college baseball, and 15 years of minor league baseball. And just to watch the quotes from him, and he had a little uh, video message he posted on Twitter. He, he said this is basically his lifetime goal, has been to do baseball games full-time. And so he was over the moon to be coming to a, you know, the Reds who had, have a history for whatever it's worth, you know. Um, and he mentioned the passionate, loyal fan base. He's about to meet him. <laughs> Boy, is he. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, have you heard, did you hear any of his calls today? They, some... No, I'm, this was one of those uh, uh, current state of the world days where I was on Zoom meetings about 73 hours out of the eight hours I was up today. 2020, baby. Uh, it's not even 2020 anymore, actually. Never mind. No, it just feels like it. <laughs> it still feels like 2020. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, um, broadcasters are broadcasters. I, I think he's probably a competent professional, and, and that'll be good. And uh, I am, however, and I'd like to know if you are, a little surprised they didn't just give the job to Jim Day. I'm not. I thought they might go that way. Maybe a touch. Like, if they were going to go in-house, it would have been Jim Day. But, like... I don't. I don't have a problem with Jim Day, but he's not a play-by-play guy. Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than I thought he would be play-by-play. But yeah. you're right. He just needs to be in the dugout and having goofy conversations with with Joey Votto and and Andrew Suarez. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, yeah. that's his that's his role. So anyway, welcome to the Reds. And uh, you know, if you're whatever, I don't care. I'm not watching the game to see John Sadak. I'm watching the game to see I don't know Freddie Galvis or whatever garbage they throw out to shortstop. Jason? It's old optimistic chat. <laughs> Man, I had a really good week last week on the podcast. We were having fun, and it was optimistic. And I, I, I lapsed back there. But this is a time when I need to, to speak to you, actually, because we have fought over, the, over these long years on the podcast, you and I, to find reasons to be optimistic. And that's a conversation maybe I need to have right now. It's still baseball. Baseball's fun. Do you need, do you need my help, Chad? Yes, I think I do need your help, Jason. Okay. Well, here's how I'm looking at it. One, even without Bauer, this is a heck of a rotation. May not be as good, but it's awfully good. Yeah, it is a good rotation. I mean, Castillo, Gray, Malley, Miley, I suppose. And, you know, I might have been a little bit too hard on him, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm actually still hopeful. And or Antone, both of whom convinced me that they were certainly worthy of a shot. Um, so I, I feel very good about the rotation. Um, I am excited to see Tyler Stevenson get more playing time. I think that is an area where the Reds are able to upgrade in house. They still desperately need a shortstop. Um, but also, you know, I know we were saying this at the end of last season and you didn't want to hear it, but I'm just going to underline it again. 2020 stats are garbage, and I don't count them, and I kind of assume that most guys are going to do their career norms. I, I don't think Gino's going to struggle to hit 200 this year. Come on. That's not going to happen. You know, like, I assume that Gino and Moustakis and Castellanos will be fine, and I assume that um, um, that Shogo will be okay, like that he'll finish making the major league adjustment. You know, I I, I don't know. This is not this is not a team that I look at and they knock me over like wow they're going to be great, but it's also not a team that I look at and think oh boy, here you know we're not the Pirates, we're not the Reds of those four years of ninety five losses uh, where we had to sit here and try to figure out ways to you know put lipstick on a pig. And I mean you know to to get a sense of how bad it could be, we were talking about acquiring Story, um, you know. Imagine if Story was all you had on your team. I mean, that Rockies team is going to struggle to win 70 games. Yeah, well, we've been there. We have, and we're not now. Like, you know, I could see this team anywhere between 75 and 85 wins. It depends. You know, baseball is strange. Um, but I don't see any reason, especially in a division that seemingly is having a race to the bottom, why the Reds can't, you know, be in the playoff picture. It sure would be nice if they could win like any of their any reasonable percentage of their first like 10 games just so we could all be breath just this once please reds yeah really but uh yeah i think they'll be decent no you know that's that's a conversation i had with someone uh, just today actually which is that you know um the reds are not going to be good but they're not going to be bad i don't think either and well, you know here's here's a question chad define good 
90 wins plus. Okay, well, no, I don't think they're going to do that. I think that's a 90th percentile projection for them. Yeah, but, you know, they're not going to lose, they're not going to win just 75 either, I don't think. I mean, I, I, you know, I think they're roughly a 500 team right now, which is, man, that's that's glorious compared to where we've been. My frustration this offseason is not because it's going to be another awful Reds team that we've seen so many times over the years of doing this podcast. It's because ownership uh, and Bob Castellini are just have no interest whatsoever in trying to win. They had an offseason where they could have gone out and really tried to push the bar in a, in a division, like you said, that, that's not trying to win, and they could have really done something. But I, I'm trying not to let that cloud. My, you know, I keep circling back around to the fact that there are a lot of players I like on this team. And, and this team is really, they can be fun, and uh, there's a lot of players that are easy to root for. And I don't know, I, I'm I'm expecting a team that's at least going to be competitive. And man, that's that's good. I mean, I'll t- I'll take that. It just it, it yeah. could have been so much more, I guess. It, it could have been, yes. Um, can I circle back to something you said a moment ago? Circle back. Um, Wade Miley, and again, yeah. it's Wade Miley and Tyler Malley. Okay, if, yeah. if you don't understand what I'm saying, I'm talking about Wade, not Tyler. Right. I mean, you are from from deep, deepest, darkest forest, Virginia. So, oh, I'm Appalachian, baby. Um, I actually think I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. I know. I mean, I know he was awful mostly when we got to see him in the short times between when he was hurt last year. Yeah, but last year doesn't count. Like I said, I last year I don't care. Right, right, but the only introduction that Reds fans had to him in a Reds uniform did not, he didn't endure himself. He did not, it's true. But, you know, he's one of uh, Derek Johnson's guys, and when he pitched for him back in Milwaukee, he was he was great, frankly. Um, and even the year before he came to Cincinnati, he was in Houston. He had like a bad last four starts or something, made his numbers jump up a little. But, I mean, he's 14-6 and six with an ERA under four, but he was cruising until the end of the season. I don't know. I just I know he's going to be 34, but if he can stay healthy, he's one of these guys that I don't have to squint too hard to see him being pretty good. And, and, and I'm not talking about Cy Young good, but number three starter good. Yeah, three four starter. You know, kind of like Mike Lee. Right, and that but that's huge for this team because they've already got Tyler Malley. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. I I concur. And you know, actually speaking of his age, this was a conversation I was having recently that I don't know. This is just me hypothesizing. Okay. Uh, there are more profane ways to call just for what I'm about to, you, you know, I'm, I'm just making stuff up a little bit is what I'm saying. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But, you know, something I've thought about is I remember, I, I think it was Joey last year who said something about how there were a lot of veterans on the team and he felt like they were all having a harder time getting in sync than the younger guys because they're so ingrained in their routine, right? And you could kind of see that a little bit. The, all of the veterans kind of really started to come around kind of the second half of the season. <clears throat> but what I was thinking about was kind of like the other side of that coin, which is how many guys on this team might end up having benefited from having a year mostly off? The Where, rest. Yeah, the rest of a guy, guys who've been playing, you know, constantly since they were 10 years old or whatever. And the body gets a year to recuperate i i wouldn't be surprised and i don't know i don't know if there's any data to back this up no idea but i wouldn't be surprised if league-wide uh there weren't a fair few veterans who had what looked like renaissance years this year it's interesting thought i guess we'll see i mean time will tell on that um i don't know i was hopeful that the big break would actually have helped Votto. and uh mostly it didn't he had some he had his moments um and he did come around eventually but uh, it'll be interesting to see this year because I, I just I have no idea what to expect from anyone. There are more unknowns this year than than ever before. Um, Votto, I mean, in fairness, like I think Votto was he got there weird, but he was fourteen percent above average for a hitter, which yeah. is kind of hoping for from Votto at this point. Yeah, he got he there about two twenty six, but you know. Yeah, but if he can get on base three fifty four clip, and uh, he had a little pop as well. Yeah, um, I'll take that version of Votto for the rest of his career, frankly. Yeah, which is, is only a few more years, and then we're going to be sad about how good things used to be when we had Joey Votto. Oh, no. Oh, we didn't appreciate him. Well, well, I think you and I appreciated him. I think we did, yes. While we had him. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, you mentioned one thing that I wanted before we get into some viewer mail that I wanted to say, which is that, boy, you mentioned another bad start. If this team gets off to another bad start, for, well, first of all, I think we'll probably be rid of David Bell if they start one and eight again. Yeah. Um, but uh, I can't deal with I can't deal with that. For once, they've got to get off to a good start I somehow. Was, I mean. Here, let's 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 embrace the pain, shall we? <laughs> but that's what this podcast is. That's a subtitle. I'm, I'm going to look. We're going to go back and see how many years we have to go back to find them with a winning record after ten games. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting to hear this. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Last year, last year they were five and five. Actually, they they started bad and then they had a little three game winning streak. So they went from from two and five to five and five. Y- Yahoo. But but it was that was still rough. All right, so now I'm I'm looking at uh, 2019, which we know was bad, but we're still we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take it as it comes. We're yeah, gonna, yeah. Gonna really embrace the pain. I was trying to forget After that start. Game, they were two and eight. Ah, oh, it's glorious. Now 2018. This is. Y'all <laughs> remember 2000? That's that's what scarred us. <laughs> yep. They were two and eight. Oh. All right, 2017. Oh, okay. Well, we all know how 2017 finished up, right? Uh, not, not good. Well. Yeah. But after 10 games, they were 7 and 3. I remember those uh, heady days, man. We were just we were so high on this team. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'll take that. I need that kind of start this year. Um because listen, I'm, you know, I I'm I'm one for trying not to overstate how much importance a manager has on a team. But I keep coming back to the idea here that, that David Bell, uh, who, I, who I liked at the very beginning because I thought he was kind of open-minded. Uh, less, he's less open-minded than I thought, and he does some really strange things. But the fact of the matter to me is he's been the Reds' manager for two seasons. Now one was this crazy season. But the Reds have performed uh, you know, at their expectation or higher for precisely about 10 to 12 days of those two seasons, which is the end of the season last year. They've been worse than expected every other day of David Bell's tenure. And how much blame does he get of that? Probably, maybe not, maybe way less than any of us believe. But he gets some share of the the blame for it. Uh, So I'm just, I'm out on David Bell, I guess. I don't know if I'm out on David Bell yet, but I could certainly understand how a bad start would lead to another change. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm I'm just ready to bang this drum. Like after interacting with him for several years in Louisville, if he ever gets his shot, I think Delino De Shields will be a fantastic manager. Um, he will be a little bit old school for some people's taste, but he'll be open minded enough. And boy, do guys love him! Really? I mean, love every any time I interviewed a player and asked them to just talk about you know, who they felt like really was helpful or, you know, whatever, you know, basically who down here do you appreciate? I mean, Delino almost every time was the first person out of their mouth every time. Not another player, not another coach. It was like Delino or Bop is his nickname, uh, which is what he gets called most of the time down there. So, I mean, you know, I, he's he's got to get a shot at some point. I mean, I know he's glad to be bench coach or whatever his official role is with the Reds right now. But, uh, but I, I, he should get a shot at some point to run a club. All I know is I would very much enjoy saying Delano de Shields as much <laughs> as possible. What a, what a fantastic name. It's an all time inner circle hall of fame name in baseball. Jason, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? I, I don't know. Do I, you do. As long as there aren't any from Phil. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. I'd surprise you. These questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you, too, can support the world's most dangerous podcast, can join our uh, private Slack channel, and can uh, ask your questions for viewer mail. First one comes from our friend Jerry Siduth, whose name I probably just butchered again, Jerry. I forgot. I'm sorry. He said, the Reds do a fine job in remembering their history, but I've noticed that there are no statues or any recognition, aside from the Club Hall of Fame, for three former players who are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ed Roush. Bid McPhee and Epirixie are great Reds seemingly lost to time. What do you think the club should do to acknowledge these players? What do you think, Jason? Uh, I mean, I guess they can have statues if they want. The reason they don't is because, because no, nobody remembers Yeah, any of these guys. 
But can I say that we need the biggest statue the Reds have? It should be Epirixis. I mean, clearly, he's the greatest player in Reds history. Oh, also, perhaps the uh, greatest pitcher in University of Virginia history. Listen, listen, everyone. He's a cavalier. I'm going to have to kick Chad off of his own podcast. <laughs> He's a cavalier. The last reigning... time Chad will be podcasting <laughs> with me and the other co-hosts here on Red Leg Nation Radio. It's the reigning college basketball two-time national champs. You know, you know what, you know what you need to do one day, Chad. What do I need to do? I pick whichever one of us you want to endure this with you. Whoever you feel most like punishing. So probably Doug. <laughs> and. Just have an episode where Chad gives his all-time UVA baseball team. And you can just wax rhapsodic about Virginia, and you can say wahoo-wah about 38 times. <laughs> Nobody. You can just get it out of your system. Oh, maybe that, maybe that's what made to, to get it out of my system, maybe that's good advice. It sounds to me, though, that you're trying to sync this podcast, because that could be the last episode ever. Nobody would listen to it. Um. Jerry, you're right. I mean, uh, th- those guys, The reason, obviously the reason Ed Roush, Ben McPhee, and Epirix is because they're, you know, they're older, and so nobody uh, remembers them necessarily. Statues, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Reds could do more in the stadium to, uh, you know, um, to honor some of these some of these guys, perhaps. I-, I always think about the Bengals, how they just refuse to honor anyone in their organization. And the Reds really do, but mostly the only ones they honor are uh, the Big Red Machine guys, you know, plus... Ernie Lombardi and Joe Nuxhall, I guess. So Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, though, and apologies to all the Bengal fans out there for what I'm about to say, it could be that the Bengals refuse to honor anybody, or maybe it's just that nobody wants to be honored by the Bengals. <laughs> maybe the players are refusing to be honored. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> no thanks. I can't associate with you. <laughs> right, yeah. I did my best years ago. All right, the second question from Hooper Powell. Hooper asks, would you rather go ice fishing with Joey Gaditza? Joey's our resident uh, member of the family at Patreon from Canada. That's where Canadians are from, right? Canada? Yes. Would you rather go ice fishing with Joey Gaditza or go to a Pink Floyd concert with Risto? Risto Neely, another one of our patrons. Uh, you don't have to answer that. But the second question is, but in a serious note, does Mr. Uh, Bob Castellini really dislike the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, well, one, I think that, I mean... I'm going to take a rock concert over ice fishing every time, regardless of who it's with. So I will answer the question. I'm going Uh, ice fishing. I'm dying to go to, uh, to Canada. I would love to go to Canada. I do not need to set out on a frozen, whatever in the cold, trying to catch fish. But you, what? Listen, I, my parents have a place where I like their, their country folk and I can go fish at their house and it's not cold when I do it. So, (sighs) Anyway, uh, you know, I don't think Bob hates the Reds. I think that Bob likes money more than the Reds. Yeah, that that, that was actually the exact answer I was going to give. He would yeah. he would like the Reds to win, yeah, but not enough for it to seriously impact his wallet. And that's the very definition of an ineffectual owner in professional sports, right? You know, even is it even though like I feel like. This is this is a soapbox. I'm just not going to get off until we see all of the records. I bet you every single baseball owner is making money hand over fist. They could all pump up their payroll and break even, which is all they ever claim they want to do, and put a fabulous team on the field. Like, I just refuse to believe that these teams that, like, quadruple in value are just, like, complete black holes financially when you look at the books. I just refuse to believe it. And think about all the money that's going to roll in when you put a playoff team on the field. I mean, you know, you got to you got to spend money to make money, they always told me when I was playing Monopoly. Uh, whatever, Bob Castellini, I don't want to talk about him anymore cuz I like most of this organization. He's the one piece of the organization if I, that I if we need to just get rid of. We need to just and there's no way to do that obviously it's his team, but uh or his ownership group, but he is the He's ninety nine percent of the problem since Nate Reds. He's he's the problem. Yep, he just is. It's his fault. When you want to blame someone, don't blame Nick Crawl, don't blame Dick Williams, don't blame the players on the field. It's one hundred percent. I'm going to say now, Bob Castellini's fault. It's just is what it is. So whatever. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Um, 
Joey Gadiza asks, hey guys, with uh, Nolan Arenado in St. Louis now, and clearly moving the entire... I don't know what that was. Yikes. Uh, with Nolan Arenado in St. Louis now, and clearly moving the entire National League Central needle, if expanded playoffs stick, are the Reds still good enough at present to finish second in the division? Yeah, I think so. Doesn't mean they will, but yeah, I mean... That's- that's within a, a range of possibilities. Yeah. I mean, God, looking at the Central right now, I mean, the odds of the Reds finishing first or second in that division, I don't know, 40, 50% coin flip, basically. Oh, that's yeah, better odds than we've ever had. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, they, they are good enough to do that, but only because the division kind of stinks. Yeah. So... Expanded playoffs nonsense. Expanded playoff stick, man. Let me just tell you something. Castellini will never spend more than to be a 500 team. Oh, the expanded playoffs are the worst idea ever. And I mean, I'm still not thrilled about the wild card, if we're being honest. Like, but expanded playoffs are terrible. Terrible. Why even play the regular season? Just put everybody's name in a bucket and do the NCAA tournament and call it a year. Who won the most recent NCAA tournament? Sorry, I couldn't um, couldn't help myself. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know to say. I don't know to say. The Reds are good enough. Yes, to be second place. Is that good enough for anything? Good enough in the division, frankly. I mean, you know, I wouldn't put their odds high at winning the division, but you know, maybe somewhere between ten and fifteen percent, I think, is a reasonable is the chance they have to win the division. Yeah, I could. I can see that. I mean, I think the Cardinals are the number one team, and then I think it's a scrum between the Reds, the Cubs, and the Brewers. I probably put the Cubs a notch above the Reds, and a Reds a notch above the Brewers. But you know, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. All right, Joe Farsing asks: Power rank the Reds TV guys, starting with whenever George Grant and the crafty left-hander started, nineteen ninety-two or whatever. And I searched for Reds TV broadcasters, and just like the Reds on their website, they have all the broadcasters, but they're not in order of years. Right. So let me go through and see. It's George Grand, when did George Grand start? He's They're in alphabetical order. So George Grand started in 93. Okay. So who else since 93? Um, Jeff Brantley, but he's mostly radio. So yeah. see, see, the question was TV, right? Yeah, TV. So uh, Thom Brenneman. Um, so, so we got George Grant and Thom, uh, Sean Casey. Yeah. Sean Casey. Was he, did he do a lot of TV? He did a little bit. Uh, Chris, Chris, Jim Day, uh, Jim Day. LaCure did a little bit this year. LaCure and Doug Flynn. He's mostly radio. I think though. Yeah. Was Danny Graves on TV? Yeah, I think some maybe. Yeah, can I say this? Danny Graves isn't—he's just not good. I don't know. I don't know about this former player employment program they got going on in the broadcast booth, but I'm not here for it. Um, I mean, I I can give you my power rankings real easy if you want. Uh, let me just look and see if there's anyone else really quickly. Well, Nuck's all radio though. Um, yeah, there you go. That's about it. Camp Merker from 2009 to 2012. I don't remember Listen, that. Here, here, here are mine. Here are my power rankings. You ready? I'm ready. Number one is Chris Welsh. Yes. Okay. Everybody else except for one person is tied for second. And in last place, however many far down that is, and then add five more is Tom. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. The one guy... Um, so we agree Chris Welsh is the best. And... Yes. The other guy I want to mention just really quickly was George Grand because when George Grand was here, he wore me out. I mean, I just couldn't deal with him for some reason. Every pop file looked like it was going to be a home run. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I thought his shtick or whatever was just so tiresome. And then he left. And after that, every time he came back, I was like, oh, wow, what a breath of fresh air. He's, he's really good. Smiling side of the scoreboard and all that stuff. Um, I think I think I underrated George Grant when he was here. 
You know, I, I agree that I think that George Brand every day was a little bit much. Um, but what it comes down to for me is I don't like watching a ball game that is called by people who sound like they hate baseball and hate the team. I think that's the difference. Not any fun. Yeah, yeah. Like I would, I would take. I don't like homers who are like, "Oh, everything the Reds do is wonderful." But I will take that over someone who never has something good to say, eight days a week. Yeah, Grand was relentlessly positive. Yeah, and it just it wore me. But in retrospect, you know, it was fun. You you didn't mind sitting there with with him watching a game. So, uh, what was he? He always used to say the smiling side of the scoreboard, and he would say. Um, Oh gosh, he had some, some something for a double play, something yes or e something. I can't remember what it was. He had some crazy shtick. But anyway, there's your rankings. Mike Mannix asks, "Did John Sadak get the TV gig because he has red hair?" I mean, that seems reasonable. I suppose it's possible. Stranger things have happened. Strange. So we're gonna say yes. The answer is yes. That's the only reason, not because he is a competent professional broadcaster um and then joe farsing asking in response to that is john sadak related to pat sajak i've almost said sajak 10 times in this episode i didn't until joe made me you know those names are close enough that if you go back far enough i wouldn't be surprised that's <laughs> true andrew scott wills asks it's a good question here with the roster as it currently stands will the reds babbit rise in 2021 <laughs> yes Answer is yes. It, it has to. <laughs> right. I mean, that was the most galling thing last year. That was just impossible. <laughs> I but, know. But with fans upset about the way the Reds are playing, and then the Reds come out and are like, oh, well, but our Babbitt. I'm like, I know, yes, it's true, but I don't want to hear that. Just win games. For the one time in my life, win games. Well, not really one time in my life because I'm old. John Majewski asks, I feel like Reds fans are in an existential crisis. If the team does well, ownership will take away the lesson that they can cut salary and still win, mm -hmm. leading to further payroll cuts and more losing seasons, potentially. If the Reds lose, it will be yet another wasted season after a somewhat promising 2020. Talk me down from the ledge. How should Reds fans approach the upcoming season so they can still enjoy watching their beloved team? Good question, John. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, right, Jason, about the, how, to, how to look at this 2021 team. I mean, I think, and, and you know, I'm going to be completely honest here, like, I think between the bats here and, and scattered Reds games that from about 2016 to 19, I think I probably averaged 25, 30 baseball games a year. And I went to zero baseball games last year. And when we get to a point where I can just go to a baseball game and watch it, I'm going to be happy. And otherwise, I'm just going to look at it and be like, there are some decent players on this team. There are a lot of likable guys. Even if the team ends up stinking, I can still root for Gino to hit 50 home runs or whatever. Like this this year, I personally, I am just going to take pleasure in whatever I'm able to take pleasure. In. Yeah. Okay. Listen, that's that, that's a great way to approach uh, this season. But I think also you can have a little bit of optimism about this you team can. as well. They're not, you know, so you can go into it thinking, yes, we can do this. But let me, I, I will say this, and, and I'm very serious about this, and this is going to sound awful probably and i'm sorry ahead of time but uh, as soon as i'm allowed to see a baseball game i probably will go to a baseball game there's pretty much zero chance that that will be a, a, a game at great american ballpark um i'm not i'm just not if bob castling doesn't care any more than that then i'm just i'll watch on i'm gonna watch every game on television like i always do but i'm not i'm not going and spending that money uh in the ball i'm just not i'll go to some other stadiums there's plenty of them that i can go to um and i know maybe that sounds bad whatever i'm just telling you if, if he didn't care enough to try to get me in the stadium, then I'm not going to go in there and uh, reward his refusal to uh, put together a team. So, <sighs> not unreasonable, but you know, yeah. It's... You know, Nathan Sturworth asks, "Would you consider giving Zach Cozart a minor league contract?" Nathan, my man, given the state of shortstops, I would sign Nate Zach Cozart to a three-year major league deal right now. Oh, okay, there, money bags. <laughs> The red shortstops are bad. The, the red shortstops are bad. Um, I'm just going to look at, remember, the last time Zach Cozart yeah. played. Yeah. Go boy. look at it. Yeah, go look at it. It's bad. Oh, 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 oh Zach. Oh, mercy me. So, tell you know, he, he signed that big deal. 
Yeah. With the uh, Angels, and he's been paid, uh, you know, twelve point six million each of the last three years to play for the Los Angeles Angels. And Jason, tell me what kind of production he, uh, the Angels have gotten for that, you know. Uh, Negative point six wins above replacement according to Fancrafts. Yeah, for twelve point six million over three years. Didn't play it la- all last year. Yeah, and essentially a one ninety average in the uh, two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen together. Plus lots and lots and lots of injuries. Bless yeah. his heart. I'm, I mean, I I sure I'd give him a spring training invite if he really can't work anything else out. Yeah, like, sure. Because I mean, you know, he can still pick it. You know, he can. Although the thirty-five-year-old middle infielder is not exactly, but he's still he's so good that yeah he's he's still going to be better than than most. I agree. So and plus so I just might, like honestly that. Garcia might be better because Garcia can pick it and Garcia I'm, I'm might might be better with the bat. And you know we we haven't talked about Garcia any this this podcast, but like he is one of those guys you never know he could show up and be ready all of a sudden. He obviously wasn't ready last year, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a hope is not a strategy type thing, but I, I, you're absolutely correct because I mean you know um, he has the ability, but he just looked like a guy that needed needed another year. Yep, out on the farm. All right, let's see. Next question. Got a couple more here. Jeff Euclid asks: Everyone seems worried and stressed that the Reds aren't really trying to field a competitive team. I assume a smoking area is, is out, but would it help to sell edibles at the Great American Ballpark? You think we need uh, to uh, alter our uh, consciousness to enjoy this Reds team, Jeff? They're not that bad. We could not even legal in Ohio right now. <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? I can't track. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I'm all for it as soon as it's uh, as soon as it's legal, and that would definitely help us to to enjoy. Until then, we're just going to have to put, do what I call the Adam Dunn move: just double fist and Bud Lights. Rich Thompson. This is a question that seems uh, designed to appeal to you, Jason, for some reason. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I, I look forward to finding out if this is one that appeals to you. As a kid during the 70s, two highlights for me each Saturday was watching the Major League Baseball game of the week on NBC and cartoons in the morning uh, before the game in the afternoon. One of my favorite limited-run cartoons that ran on ABC was Schoolhouse Rock. You, you a fan of Schoolhouse Rock, Jason? I recall Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, really? You weren't a, big, weren't a big fan of that? Maybe it's a little ahead of you. I don't remember it that well. I mean, I, I think it was on its way out. I'm, I'm, you know, Chad is ancient, and I'm only And so... I know. It, I you know, it was around that. early in my childhood, but, you know, I really became conscious of the world in, in kind of the mid to late 80s. Well, okay. Um, it was a, a cartoon sort of kind of like a... To, to, that tried to teach you a little, little, uh, we watched it in school. Definitely at times. I mean, let's be real. Teachers were using that stuff for a long time, but anyway, continue with the thing. I, I will continue with the thing. Thank you. Um, I love the fun learning moments and catching songs for each episode. Uh, here are my favorite schoolhouse rock episodes in no particular order. Do any of them make your personal list too? So I don't know if you heard any of these, but, uh, I will, I will read out his favorites. My hero zero. And he says, I wonder if this is Al Oliver's favorite episode since he was a uniform number. Uh, Conjunction Junction. Now, that's one I remember. Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Oh, I remember that. I remember remember both of those. Keep going. I'm Just a Bill. This one was my favorite. I'm Just a Bill. Do you remember this one? I'm Just a Bill sitting here on Capitol Hill. Um, that's still famous. That still makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's funny, you, you all need to go look. There was a funny Saturday Night Live parody of that. It was during uh, President Obama's administration, but uh, it was basically about uh, President Obama signing executive orders and how a bill didn't matter anymore or something. But it was really funny. Uh, I'm just the bill. Um, that was my favorite. And then the other one was Lolly, 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 Get Your Adverbs Here, which I remember. That one I do not recall. Yeah, I remember that one. They're all good. Go look up Schoolhouse Rock. Go to YouTube. They're, they're fantastic. So, uh, I'm glad you remembered those uh, since you're almost as old as I am, Jason. Almost. Almost. Good question, Rich. We're going to go to our guy Risto Neely now. Risto's question is this. Hey, Chad and Mr. Linden. Okay, first of all, why is it Chad and Mr. Linden? I mean, I think I think we know who, who commands respect around here. <laughs> Clearly. 
The recent acquisition of Sean Doolittle has raised some questions about the fall-off in his performance metrics from the 2019-2020 season. Uh, albeit the 2020 sample size is small, there's your uh, qualifier, Jason, but there were significant drops in Ks, velocity, and whiffs, and a doubling of hard hit percentage with run prevention being a problem. These stats lead one to believe this might exacerbate the issue with the Reds' highly touted pitching, scouting, and coaching staff. Why wouldn't someone pose some serious questions to the general manager prior to his acquisition? I'm not sure what what that means. Maybe maybe they did, and maybe they signed off on it, I think. Um, this yeah. is the way I would respond to that. I mean, the word that I saw was that he was working with driveline already. And so I assumed that the Reds saw something and liked it. And, I mean, really, it's a million and a half dollars, which even in Bob Castellini money is not that much um, for a baseball player. So, yeah, I mean, given his track record, I think that's, an, frankly, I think that's an easy call. Like, come here, we'll give you some important innings to pitch, and we'll see see if you can come back from that injury. Yeah, he he finishes by saying, it seems the Reds are getting penny-wise and dollar loose. Is this perhaps a $1.5 million lotto ticket? Uh, no, I, th- I don't think so at all. I think uh, all that can be explained by injury. Now, with the driveline stuff, that was reported, but then there was that kind of report later that he decided not to go out and work out with driveline. He stayed in Tampa and, and did some work there. But but the fact is, he is familiar with these driveline guys. That When I hear that word, I think, oh, he's one of Kyle, Kyle Bode's guys. So I, I think exactly the opposite, Risto, which is that the Reds, you know, director of pitching Kyle Bode, Derek Johnson, that whole group, very likely signed off on this and said, "Hey, this is a this is a good chance to take because he was so good until he got hurt." So um, it's just low risk, high reward. You know, you're out. You're at 1.5 million if he if he is still injured, and if not, you have a competent uh, and potentially really good reliever. Now, uh, Risto also says, "And don't forget to ship the horse." So you all need to uh, text uh, or tweet at Jason exactly what that means to ship the horse. That's a conversation I don't want to get back into. All right, final question, Jason. You ready for one more question? I am, and I'm also now terrified. Please go ahead. <laughs> you got to ship the horse. Um, James Ward. James says, Chad, long-time viewer, first-time mailer. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm behind you 100% about the ownership group needs to go. I think we need to start pushing for J-Lo and A-Rod to buy the team. They have no ties to the Reds, and I think they would push for a winning team, not just an okay team. What do you think about that, Jason? <laughs> Let me ask you this. I'm going to give you two potential ownership groups. And who do you okay. choose? J-Lo, that's uh, Jennifer Lopez. And, right. and A-Rod, that's uh, Alex Rodriguez. That's one potential ownership group. The other is Jay-Z and Beyonce. Who do you, who do you go for? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jay-Z and Beyonce in that, in that instance. Yeah, because I think they have all the money, right? Yes. They yes, yes, all the money. I think they're both like billionaires fifty times over. That may not be accurate information. No, but still, yeah, I, that would be, yeah, okay. Be quite, but, but neither of those are going to happen. If we can't get them, though, J Lo and, and A Rod, that'd be. I'll take that. Although I don't know, you know, A Rod's kind of goofy. A Rod, A Rod is kind of goofy, but I don't know. And that movie J-Lo was in last year was not a good movie. And everybody tried to tell me it was a good movie, and it wasn't a good movie. I didn't see it, so good for me. Yeah, it was not good. Um, so, But she's J-Lo. Jenny from the block, you know. I do, yes. There you go. All right. Thanks for the question, Jason. Uh, or James, excuse me. Now I'm talking to Jason. Jason, buddy, anything you have to say about the state of the res? I think we need to just have a constant push here. I'm going to propose this to you. Uh, to really try to remain optimistic because it's, it's been so much worse in recent times in Cincinnati, right? That's the way I want to think about this. Yeah, it, listen, it's gonna, there's going to be baseball and it's going to be okay and probably the Reds will win 80 games. And that's not what it could have been if Bob no. Castellini weren't such a jerk and didn't hate us so much. But it's not, it's not what we've had to endure in recent years. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And there's upside. Who knows? Hope can be a strategy for us fans, right? Listen, it's February. It's time to have hope be a strategy. Yes, yes, because spring is almost upon us, and hopefully a, hopefully a season. All right, Jason, uh, hey, man, this was fun. Thanks for coming back on. Always a pleasure, Chattington. All right, you can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you find podcasts. We're there. Go subscribe, download, uh, leave us a review. Uh, five stars only, though. Five stars only if you're going to leave us a review. 
Again, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you know. If you don't like us, keep your mouths shut. Um, I guess we'll stick a pen in it for Jason Linden and Nikki Delmonico. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.